Welcome to the Bible Talks with Josh and Heather. Yeah, this is the show that discusses deep theology in a simple way. If you're interested in theology, but you don't consider yourself a theologian, this is the show for you. We are Josh and Heather Tice, and we minister to and lead Southern Hills Baptist Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. We love each other, love theology, and love to talk. So, we always like to begin with a little bit of fun. Heather, let's get to it. All righty. I like how sometimes you're a Baptist church and sometimes you're not, Pastor Josh. What are you talking about? Well, in the introduction, so first of all, it reminds me of Veggie Tales every single time because they always say, this is the show for you. It's the only other show I know that says that. This is the show for you. There you go. But also yeah. sometimes you say Southern Hills they got Church. It from us. Sometimes you just say Southern Hills and sometimes you say Southern Hills Baptist Church. So you which like is it? <laughs> you like how we're sometimes Baptist and sometimes not? Some, that's the thing. Well, he's sometimes Joshua David Tice. Sometimes he's Joshua. Sometimes he's Josh. That's right. Just because mm. we don't use you? our full name. It does bother me. We're Chris. always. <laughs> that bothers <laughs> tall. me greatly. Tall. <laughs> Chris Tall. We're always a Baptist church. That's our theology. But sometimes we don't use the full name. Do you name. mean you're, that we are Baptistic in our theology? <laughs> <laughs> Always. If you're not sure, always. If you're not sure, listen to this podcast, all seventy-five <laughs> yeah. episodes, and you'll see. You'll figure it out. We are theologically <laughs> on thin ice, and you'll figure out that we are moderate, moderately Baptist. Moderately Baptist. Yeah, we, that we, should be what we call we the podcast. Different. Moderately Baptist would be a great that name would for be a podcast. An amazing mm-hmm. podcast. Name. Moderately. Or we Baptist. could shorten and call it Mod Bap. Nope, no. that's stupid. <laughs> So what's the fun you have for Crystal? Oh. Crystal's joining us on this episode, yes, our it's producer. Yes, good to have you back Yay. with us, Crystal. It's me. Crystal yes. of The Friddle Show. And if you haven't checked yep. out The Friddle Show, you can go to anywhere your podcasts are uploaded and check it out. Also Friddle. on KVXL 101.1, Experience Liberty Radio. It's not Podomatic. I don't do Podomatic. Oh, okay. Not Podomatic. Yeah, no. Well, good, where, they, where can they find sick. The Friddle Show? SoundCloud, iTunes, and... KBXL. It's a lot of fun. Do you you got to check out the show. you need me to record like some sound bites for the Friddle Show? Nope. <laughs> that is really weird. Do it again. Friddle, Friddle Show. Wow. We can I have a guest a episode with you, Heather. <gasps> you that would be amazing. Yeah. But you know, I'm not really that good at political talking. Okay, hold on. Hold on. That's okay. That's why she you wants just... me on there. She wants someone that she can train and Spar teach and instruct. You just said, <laughs> I would love to have you on the show sometime. Heather. Yes. Well, it's because she was <laughs> asking if she could have Oh, I just want to do the advertisements for you. The and jingle. I didn't want her to feel bad because you've been on before. I have, but I, I haven't been on in years, and I was wondering how badly did I do. I don't know if years would do. be accurate. I, I know that years. this year has felt like many years. Oh, my word. But Well, I'm just glad it's July 29th, and now we know everything that happened. <laughs> we do. <laughs> hey, can we do an episode on the Friddle Show called the Riddles from the Friddle? Or Friddle Riddle. Friddle Where we do riddle? riddles. Wow. We could do that. Because I'm all in on that episode. We could do that. If so. Yes. Because I like games. The next time we record, maybe we'll record one of those. When, when will amazing. she have the chance between, you know, staying barefoot and home and cooking my dinner? When will she have the opportunity of... If need be, we can tele-record <laughs> somehow. I'm Good. sure. Woman, stay at home. Make my dinner. That's your job. Well, I quit. <laughs> oh, okay. Never mind. You're good. You can have more freedom. All right. Yes, For those no, who are new to the episode, funny, yes, I'm I have to throw this out there. So what? many of you know I'm Southern. What you don't know about me is poor Josh got gypped when he got his bride 
because Southerners are these amazing cooks with, you know, what Typically. is it that we cook with love? We've got all of these wonderful things and I love am and the butter. worst cook. Yeah. But you're super creative. I, I saw those creative. bunnies you made at Easter. Yeah. They're <laughs> That's awesome. right. They turned out amazing. There are other things that you do that are far superior. Yes. So he I means I'm a good kisser. Well, not just that. You're also. <laughs> That's what he I am in me. the room right no, now. It's not just that. Did it's you just throw up a little in your mouth? A little bit. It's also the fact that we can intellectually spar. We can talk theology. We can. Um, you I feel like you both want me on your shows to manipulate me and to be the stronger <laughs> intellect. That's exactly the, exactly what I was thinking. I agree. No, but they're, they're, look, not everybody can be everything. And I'm not going to sit on this podcast and lie and say that you're the best cook. But I will say <laughs> the things you do cook are good. You have a few they're meals that are, are good. Are I make the best guacamole in the whole wide world. Amazing. That's not really cooking. That's just kind of mashing. Why don't you tell Crystal about <laughs> your uh, St. Patrick's Day meal? That I was not remember good. What I had for oh, oh. <laughs> that was not good. Not oh, good. Okay, oh, okay. Well, everybody just started like panicking for the COVID nineteen quarantine, so the stores. I were remember empty. those days. And you know how it is. You don't know what's coming, so you're like, oh, we're not desperate, but do I buy something and put it in the freezer? And of course, we had St. Patty's Day coming up. I couldn't find mm-hmm. potatoes, so I was going to do a potato soup. So what did we get? So I found. Um, I'm blanking on the name of it. What is it called? It's what corn they eat. Beef. Corn a beef. Corn oh, beef. Corn beef. I love corn beef. Well, see, you would I'd not have liked this it. one. I think it needed more time in the crock pot. Yeah. I needed to have it longer and to make it more tender. And the cut makes a big difference. See, well. and I just got what was left. Like, literally, oh, yeah, no. it was like... No, see, having an Irish heritage yeah. from Pennsylvania, we do corned beef and cabbage every year. Well, we threw a cabbage in the crock pot. It with didn't help No, it. no, no, no. You don't put the cabbage in the crock pot. Oh, <laughs> That's what we so did. That's what problems. the recipe said to do. I did Crystal follow I would have you over for St. Patrick's Day next year, except you can't come because I have dogs and you yeah. will all die all because die. that's how that's your family works. But I've heard people make wonderful corned beef. I've never it's had amazing. it in my life. And I bought it because I'm like, well, this will at least help our family survive if things do get really bad. It was one of the only things left. And I thought, hey, I like holiday traditions. We so tasted we it. it. We tasted it. It did need, I think it would have been better if it just had more time. It needed a lot more time in the crock pot. Mm. Well, you're a good person. I thought it was okay. You're a good person and you're loved by everyone listening to this. Uh, I'm Uh, not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah, that's true, actually. That's okay. Are you sweet or unsweet tea? Oh, sweet for sure. Sweet Sweet My word. Not that fruity stuff. No, no, no. Straight sugar. We need processed white sugar. Sugar. Anyway. Yeah. That's good times. Okay, fun question. This is my transition to the fun question. What's what's the dumbest way you've been injured? Huh, the dumbest way I've been yeah, injured. Yeah, like you're like, I can't believe I hurt myself with that. So I've got to, besides sleeping wrong, which is a whole thing that I never knew was real until like these last couple of years. Yeah. Like, Crystal, you may not be there yet, but you can totally like, you don't do anything different. You just go to bed and the next morning you're like, ah, it's like it's weird. <laughs> it's really weird. But Definitely not there. when Jonathan was a baby and Ashlyn... Um, my niece was a baby. We went on a trip for Christmas. Yep. Uh, this is before the girls were married, the Tice girls. And so we went up to a cabin in the snow somewhere, probably in Utah. And I remember it was cool because they had snowmobiles. And I'd never ridden a snowmobile. And as the only two couples in the family, we went out. We let everybody, everybody was excited to watch the two grandbabies. You know, there were only two of them. So the girls and grandma and grandpa were like, yes, leave Jonathan and Ashlyn. So we went out and partied. We went on these snowmobiles, Matt and Brianna on one, me and Josh on the other one. And I'm not a daredevil, but I am competitive. Oh, and no. we got on this little hill and we were taking turns riding single and you could get 
fast enough that you could get just get a little bit of air off the heel. And Matt, in particular, I remember was doing quite well. And of course, I'm not going to be off. shown up by Matt. No. Show off. So I gunned it. Like yeah, I went fast. <laughs> and it was so fast that I got a lot of air right into the next hill. So if you can imagine uh-huh. it going up and basically nose diving in a sense, I mean, not straight down. Yes. But it definitely was jarring. You're doing like motocross, but and on a I, snowmobile. And I was not prepared for it. So I basically, my gut hit against the windshield part. It <laughs> was. Snowmobile. And it was hilarious. It was. And of course, I'm not going to like show Did them. Did you go I'm flying hurting. off of the machine? No, I held no. on. But basically, she fell right I into the machine. Rib. Yeah. You cracked. Yeah. Oh, my word. And so I didn't tell them. I was in so much pain. You see what I mean by the funny now? And. <laughs> I didn't tell them at all. I, they, they were like, are you okay? They were all scared at first. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And then I, I let them I go. I, did, I didn't do any more jumps. And when we went back to the house, I took Jonathan to lay him down. I was rocking him and crying. And I remember saying to him, like, I bet you're wondering why your mommy's crying right now. It's because she really hurt herself doing something stupid. Jonathan was like six months old at the time. Yes. No, he was like, I think he would have been like three months old. Yeah, I don't he remember. Was, it was December, and he's yeah. born September. So three months old. Wow. I'm rocking this three-month-old baby, crying my eyes out, bawling yeah. my eyes out, and I felt so stupid. I'm like, Why what about you, I Crystal? What was the worst? What was the weirdest way you ever got? Injured? I don't know. I've got a couple different ones. One is a lot more fun than the other one, so I'll just tell you about that one. So, I think it was my second summer that I was a head counselor at a Christian camp in Pennsylvania. And Boy, uh, I felt like she just kind of threw that. Head counselor out there. Oh, it's yeah, a big that, deal. She weird, wasn't just a counselor. That was me. When I was Six a years. Head, that's a, a weird flex, counselor. Crystal. <laughs> We're all very impressed. You should be. It was a big deal. When <laughs> you're 18. Um, oh, oh, she just took it a whole new level. I was only 18. <laughs> she did. She just. <laughs> Youngest head counselor in the history of the kit. Oh, my wow. word. It wow. can't keep going. It's even. <laughs> We didn't even know. So you should anyway, have told us this when we first met. Yeah, I should well, have. She would have intimidated was, us too I much. That's true. It was a big deal. Um, Can you still be our friend? Yeah, okay. Okay. I guess. All right. Um, so, <laughs> so every morning we would gather at the flagpole with the girls at one flagpole, and then the guys would be down at their flagpole, and then uh, the guys would come up and Sounds join like us. Sounds like a Christian camp. <laughs> yep. Yeah, separate flagpole. We had, important. We did. That's where, because, you know, girls' side of camp, boys' side of, of camp, course. before the day began. So we were at the flagpole, we'd do our morning thing, our little devotional, and pray, and then we would usually have five, ten minutes waiting for the boys, because the boys were always late. So we're waiting for the boys, and you always just, you know, come up with whatever creative things to do. And uh, I don't remember what the thing was that we were doing, but I made fun of some of one of the counselors, but in a, you know, a fun camp kind of a way. Well, this camp was That's for... That's exactly what a head um, counselor should do. Yes. <laughs> Lead in mocking. That's yeah. right. <laughs> it wasn't mean. But, um, so this camp was for underprivileged kids and, um, they don't always take well to their counselors being mocked, apparently. And one of these <laughs> girls was just massive. I mean, massive young lady. And she, she gets out of her line, walks right up to me in the middle and is like, you ain't gonna mock my head counselor, my counselor like that. And she picked me up threw me over her oh shoulder, spun me around in circles. Where I'm like, is anybody going to do anything here? She, she straight up spun you yes, around? Yes, this girl was massive, wow. I'm telling you. And then wow. she slammed me on the ground. It's like WWE. And that's Christian what I felt game. like. That's what I felt. And oh I'm just laying word. there. Like, I can't breathe. The wind's knocked out of me. I'm like, 
where are any counselors going to do anything? They're all laughing. I'm like, this that's, is not appropriate. That's awesome. Awesome. That is, yep. Oh, so I wish I had that I had no uh, long-term injury from I, that. Though. I wish, did anybody record that? No, there was no recording. Oh, man. This was before everybody had a cell phone, fortunately. Wow. Wow, that's fantastic. I don't even know a story now of, of an injury that I've had. She went that. on to be on American Idol, by the way. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Really? Yep. The girl that spun you the around? The girl that spun me around and threw me on the ground. And you must have been watching Did you comment like, on her stuff? I did not. Did you vote for her? <laughs> I did not. Wow, yeah. Wow, so someone's holding a grudge That's why she lost. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you should have watched I never said she lost. <gasps> I never said she lost, but Wait, she did. Wait, who is it? She won. did. She lost. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I... I would have no idea who's on American yeah. Idol anyway, yeah. unless it was Simon, Simon Cowell, mm. right? He's yep. on that show. He is. Okay, so an injury, the strangest injury I ever had, probably I was a teenager, I was helping build houses for some construction workers in our church, and I, I was carrying five-gallon buckets up a ladder, and then, or down a ladder, and as I did, I stepped back, and somebody said, whoa, 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 be careful, and behind me was about an eight-foot hole, and I put the things down, and I fell backwards and i fell about eight feet down into this hole and i i gashed the back of my skull oh i don't think i knew about this yeah ever wow it was when i was a construction worker do you still have a scar (laughs) what do you still have a scar uh yeah it's actually where that's what that's from i thought it was from chicken pox well it is from chicken pox i made up that whole story (laughs) to give myself a great (laughs) are you serious no it's a true story that really did happen i did not have any scar from it Hmm. true true story fascinating yeah. who can verify this story for um us? well the person i went with is actually uh well the wife is in prison now <laughs> and the son is, is in prison it's true oh i know who could verify it what kind of construction <laughs> business oh was this um, uh I, i'll tell you off air who you can okay. verify it that okay. you know yeah all right okay all right. wow this color yeah. me intrigued Man. yeah i hey i have a whole life you don't where do know we about. go from here um, well, wow. I guess we could talk about Well, the we just talked about where, yeah, Satan. these people ended up, their future position. And there is some, one person we know in the angelic round who will end up permanently chained to the bottomless pit. And that person is no other than Lucifer, the great son, um, the great son of the morning, uh, the great evil of the Bible, the serpent, the Bible says, the one who deceived the nations. And if you haven't been, fo- if you've been following along, you know we're in a study on angelology every other episode. And back on June third, we talked about the story of Satan. Then on June number, uh, excuse me, on July first, we talked about Satan and his great but limited power. Today, episode seventy-five, uh, Satan and his damned future. Now, why do we use that word? Which is a word, if you're listening and you're a teenager, you might be thinking, is that a terrible word? It's a proper word in understanding the future um, of what the Bible says about eternal damnation. That's where the word comes from. And we're using it in its proper context. Satan's future is truly damnable. That is, he will be placed in an eternal fiery pit uh, called the lake of fire. He yeah. will be damned. And that's important to remember when we talk about this this angel against God and against God's people. Though he has great power, he has a terrible future. But before we get to his future, let's talk about his present position, okay? Right. His present position is of great power, and he has great power over the world. The Bible calls him the prince in the power of the air, calls him the ruler of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places, and he has great power over fallen angels. 
But that power is limited. I learned that in episode 73. That's true. You did. And if you didn't Paid listen, attention. go did. back and listen. That's a good one. Yeah. So he has this limited power that's currently right now, unless the rapture has taken place, <laughs> which I mean. Between recording and Yeah, between recording episode. and airing. Which is very close together. What are you talking about? We recorded this right now today. It's live. On live. <laughs> July 29th. <laughs> what does the Bible say? All liars shall have their part in the lake. Yeah, we recorded this earlier. Maybe you're listening to it in July. Maybe you're listening yeah. to it years from now. But yeah. within the present age. Before before the end times, <laughs> we yes. could say. Uh, Satan has great power over this world. He is the prince and the power of the air. He has um, demons that he is commanding. Think of him as a commander-in-chief of demons. Which leads to the second great position of the devil right now, and that is he, he has a great kingdom. This is what you need to understand about the devil. He has a great kingdom. Even Jesus himself refers to Satan's kingdom. Um, and in his kingdom, he is in control. Not of all things, but he's in control of his demons. He's in control of what they do. He has established this set of principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. And we need to understand that God has given to Satan temporary rule over this world. Satan has offered uh, this rule to Jesus Christ himself, but Jesus Christ rightfully refused that and, and, and chose to uh, follow God's path to Calvary instead. He's also the perpetuator of wickedness, much wickedness. Not all wickedness, but much wickedness all the time he's doing this. Yeah. Right, tirelessly, the Bible says in the book of Job, he goes to and fro, walking up and down in the earth, attempting to uh, in, in, attempting to ensnare people in wickedness, to make the same choice he did, rebel against God, and follow their sinful desires. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I think you described it so perfectly, is to rebel against God and, and to walk in their sinful desires. I mean, he's stirring up strife and discord among the brethren. There are all these kind of things that he's trying to do because he's in continual conflict with God. There's this this enmity between him and God. Um, he's involved in continual temptation. So let's talk more about that wickedness he's stirring up. He loves to capitalize on man's weaknesses. You know, he likes to find out uh, where we're weak. Um, now, I'm going to bring up something that kind of goes to, we're going to kind of intertwine here. The, the last ep- episode on Satan and this one, we talked about he's not all-knowing. Yeah. And that means he can't know our thoughts but does he study us does he watch where our weaknesses are i mean i've heard people say don't say it or satan will know it <laughs> which i mean there's some truth to that but at the same time well think about it if 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 we know each other well mm-hmm. it's going to be pretty obvious if i'm observing yeah. your life it's going to be pretty obvious that i also know what your weaknesses are and yeah. if i want to take advantage of your weakness i could easily uh, set you up for failure I think you see that with Job, too. Every time he comes before God, he says, well, take this away from him. Mm. Well, let's take this away from him next. Mm. Well, let's try this one now. He's got specific things that he's going after. He doesn't go for the whole shebang at once. And you have to think about how Satan, how long Satan has lived and how long he's been fighting against God's people. So he's probably learned over time, even more so, temperaments, personalities, types of people he can truly attack. Exactly. So he comes after our weaknesses. He also believes the ends justifies the means. In Genesis, he says, God knows that the day you eat thereof, then your eyes will be open. You should be as God's knowing good and evil. See, break this rule because it's going to work out better in the end. I don't think I've ever heard that presented before here, that that idea kind of is an original idea with Satan. The idea of, oh, it's okay to break this rule because it's going to work out in the end. Yeah. 
So the Bible talks about his continual temptation and how subtle he is. The serpent himself quietly convincing mankind to rebel against God. Why? The reason it is he is rebelling against God is be, uh, teaching us to or leading us to is because he knows what he has done. And he wants to lead other people into the same path. Somehow this, this creature has convinced himself that the more people he can get to rebel against God, we might be able to stand up and defeat the God who created us. Okay. You think he really believes that? I, I certainly believe he believes that. I go back and forth. Uh, there are times that I'm like, okay, obviously Satan doesn't know all things. But he does know at this point that Jesus overcame death in the grave. I mean... He clearly Easter many, many years ago. Um, so I, I'm like, and, and he hears because he can hear the scriptures out there. People are preaching and teaching all the time on Revelation what his end is yep. going to be. So I wondered, does he really still think there's a chance that God well, will not be true? Or because I've also heard the other side is he kind of knows he's lost, but he's going to take everything that God loves that he possibly can, which mm-hmm. is every believer. So where would y'all stand on that view? Which one would you lean towards? I would lean toward the fact that he is an unbeliever. And because he's an unbeliever, he's skeptical mm. against the Bible. So if you, said, if you said, well, look at the book of Revelation, it shows that you lose. He would say, I know who wrote the book of Revelation. He was a crazy man on a rock island. Uh, he, he had no clue about what's actually happening. Yeah, he may have had some visions and dreams and maybe some angels, but there there could be misinterpretation. And I so truly believe... So you don't believe, think that Satan believes in he, inspiration? I do believe... He can't see in the spiritual realm that I do, I do not. Yeah, yeah. I do not believe that Satan... No, he's not omnipresent. I do not believe that Satan believes the scripture. I do not believe that Satan puts his faith in what might happen. I believe that he thinks in and of himself, um, yeah, I know that's what you wrote, but this is what's going to happen. And I believe the best salesperson is the person who believes in his product. Mm. And if he is very good at convincing uh, demons and he's very good at convincing mankind we can rebel against God, it's because he truly believes we can rebel against God. And uh, this God who is unjust, unfair, always demanding of us only about his own glory, he believes all of those things. And I believe he believes he should be taken down and can be taken down. Now, Crystal... I felt like at the beginning you were kind of leaning the other way, but maybe not. Well, it's purely speculative. Um, I think you could make the argument either way scripturally, but my thought is is somewhat in keeping with what Pastor Josh just said, and that is that I think that for Satan, if if God was really going to do something about me, why didn't he do it? Mm. He's had thousands of years that he could have taken me out. Mm. So if that is in fact going to happen, I mean, and, and that's something that I asked myself, in the past, you know, why didn't God? Why would God yeah. even let him have any type of dominion? He didn't have to. He could have taken Satan out at any point. So I think to what you were saying, Satan looks at this and says, "Yeah, God, power, what? Look at me. I'm ruling I'm here, here. Okay. and Look I'm just doing kingdom. what I want." I hate to say this, but uh, the irony of it, I must say it, to play the devil's advocate here. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, just kidding, I'm not advocating for Satan. But on the flip side of that, what about the fact that do you think he already has his plans for the future? The things that we're told about in Revelation, the Antichrist, the beast, beast, the false prophet, all those things that he wants to bring about. Do you think those are already in his heart and mind? Sure. Because how does he feel then to know, okay, yeah, I'm an unbeliever, but it's really hard 
when you see exactly, wow, he knows exactly every move that I'm planning to make. Well, if I'm the devil, I would say, sure, the God who created all things might know some of my plans, but he thinks he knows every detail of how it's all going to play out. He might know some of what I'm planning to do, but this is my plan. I'm the one. Remember, he is the one of the five I wills. Mm. He sees himself as the greatest. He truly believes he will sit on the the throne. And with Mm. that belief... He has convinced himself, yeah, the enemy might know some of my plans, but there's no way he knows all of them. And uh, only part of the story of the, of the tribulation period is written, and maybe, uh, maybe, he believes, maybe he believes that. Well, and he is the great counterfeiter, right? Like, he, he believes he is God, essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if he is believing that he can be, make anything else, make us believe anything else, he sows tares in with the wheat, he thinks he's God, he's... This is just what he does. This is who he yeah, is. An unbeliever is an unbeliever. And that's the point. So he might say, sure, you created me. Well, maybe you were there when I was created. But what happened when you were created? Satan might look at the, the, the God of heaven and say, where did you come from? Who started you? Mm. Who created you? He may not that's believe God's own word on that God is eternal and that God is omnipotent and that God is. Um, I'm telling you, he, I, I believe now I'm getting even more convinced. Why would he rebel against a God who is omnipotent, that is all-powerful, if he knew and believed he was all-powerful? He believes that he will take the throne of God, which means he does not believe that God is all-powerful. So he doubts God's power. What do you think his view of us as humans is? Like, I mean, you talked about him being a counterfeiter, Crystal. Well, God loves us and desires us for himself and of course we're made to glorify God do you think Satan wants us as worshipers do you think he despises us as the apple of God's eye what do you think his thought is on humans is there a patheticness that he looks at us with what's well when it comes to hit when it comes to miracles we saw this in episode 73 um, he himself can perform miracles so I'm not sure that he's super impressed with all the miracles of God because he tries constantly in the scripture to prove he can do miracles too. In the book of Revelation, he has his his false prophet and his antichrist performing miracles, just like God had his prophets performing miracles. So I think there's this, in his mind, this dualism of, of power struggle, whereas in God's mind, he's just utilizing Satan to allow yeah, but the question was, what is choice. Satan's view of mankind? This is so not humans. theological, but this is how I picture Satan's yeah. view of us as like the Hulk with Loki when he's like just pounding him into the ground and being like, puny God. That's awesome. Like that's yeah. that's how I picture Satan viewing us. Like, oh, you're in the image of God? Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah, I think there's got to be a jealousy there of the image of God thing. Mm. Oh, I th- yeah. I think there's got to be a hatred of how could you, and we don't even fully understand all what that means to be yeah. created in the image of God. But um, there's this crowning glory in mankind. The Bible mm-hmm. said the angels even stare into the gospel and look at it with wonder. Yeah. We talked about that a few weeks ago. I think Satan has the opposite perspective. There's a loathing and a deep abiding well, hatred for us. we talked about us. that last yeah. time, that he's our adversary, our accuser. But there, the question did come, does he desire worship from humans? Or is he so repulsed by us that no. he just wants... Well, I think he clearly desires worship. The Bible says the doctrines of the devils are created so that demons would be worshipped so and the bible paul says behind every false idol is a demon to be worshipped so why does satan create religions so that he can be the counterfeit god so that his demons can be worshipped by humans so Mm -hmm. yes he desires he might not love humans he hates humans but he desires their worship because their worship belongs to god the god he hates Mm. 
So he wants to take from God. And and what's crazy right now is if you looked at the metrics, if you looked at the curve of worship, right now and throughout the last couple thousand years of human history, Satan's winning. Satan has far more worshipers than God. So we say, how could he believe that he'll win in the end? He believes he's going to win mm, in the end because he has more worshipers right now than, and he has for thousands of years. God, Jesus, is way puny down here at the what half a billion level, maybe, but but Satan's got in his kingdom seven, six and a half billion worshipers. Who does this God think he is? Now Jesus said, "Narrow is the way that leads to life; broad is the way that leads to destruction." But that's just Jesus's opinion, and he killed Jesus. Mm. But Jesus rose from the dead. So they say. Satan knows that. It's not so they say. Satan knows that. There's a lot of things you can know without it affecting your belief system mm. and your future. So, so with those all those things being stated, you disagree, Crystal? I've honestly never thought about that until this very moment. Hmm. Well, <laughs> let's continue on. Good discussion. <laughs> I've really enjoyed that. Thinking more deeply about this. So, what happens with Satan? Satan, the Bible tells us is defeated by Christ. He's defeated by Christ in the past, and he's defeated by Christ in the future. What do we mean in the past? Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The main passage that must be pulled out here is in Colossians chapter number two. It's a fascinating passage, but what is your thoughts in regards to this concept of Christ defeating Satan at the cross? We don't know what you mean. I mean, I think he did it. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Yes. I wholeheartedly agree that, uh, yeah, that that's why it's so confusing to me, the thought that Satan really thinks he can win. That's what makes me lean to the other side. And you're right, an unbeliever. It's amazing the things that we'll believe, even as puny little humans, that I can do this. You know, I don't need anything. We've talked about before, living like we're God. I have need of nothing, you know. Uh, so we can all be trapped in unbelief, and, and that's a great idea. I mean, he's a liar, the father of it, and he's believing his own lie. But it's just a hard thing for me to imagine seeing, you know, Christ rise again, go against everything that you just thought you laid out. I don't know. And the prophecies, I'm like, are you not paying attention? Like, <laughs> Well, the devil has seen, here's the thing. The devil has seen resurrections in the past. Uh, Jesus uh, raised that... Uh, that, that man in Bethany from the dead. And, she, and the prophet Elijah raised that little girl from the dead. Um, Satan has his own power, he thinks to himself. So I think he's convinced, okay, so uh, Jesus was dead. But was he really? Where does the false doctrine come from the, of the swoon theory, where Jesus merely fainted and was in the, in the ground for a while? Um, where does the false philosophy uh, theology come from that Jesus didn't truly die upon the cross, there wasn't a true resurrection, that Jesus kind of fainted and went away? Well, those are, those are doctrines of the devils. And I've but noticed again, in my own life— they seem like what you would present, like mm-hmm. spin— yeah, and, and, yeah, I don't know that Satan believes that himself. Well, I, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder how often if you repeat the same lie to yourself mm-hmm. over and over, if you begin to believe that lie. I'm not saying that he's absolutely convinced that Jesus never rose from the dead. What I'm saying is it does not impact his plan. He doesn't believe it matters, that he's still planning on fighting against him. Uh, and because, because he believes he can win. That's that's what I think. But we, I think that he might think, but I do believe from a theological, biblical perspective, the scripture is very clear that Satan was defeated at the cross. Now, from Satan's point of view, well, sure, Paul's going to say that. Sure, John's going to say that. I killed his best friend. Sure, these writers are going to say that I was defeated, but that's just their words. 
And so from Satan's point of view, he might say, well, that's what they believe, but I do not believe that this is true. So what do Christians believe? Christians believe that absolutely, yes, the moment Jesus died upon the cross and was raised from the grave, Satan was ultimately defeated. Listen to what Colossians chapter 2 says about this. It says, And you, being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision in your heart, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses. Okay, how? Through the cross, verse 14. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. That is, through the death of Christ, the writing that was against us is the law. Jesus Christ wiped away the law that was against us and the breaking of the law that was against us, which was contrary to us, and has taken out of the taken it out of the way, what? Having nailed it to the cross, uh, the law has been nailed to the cross because of Christ. And then it says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So according to Paul in the book of Colossians, it was at the cross itself that Satan and his demons were absolutely and utterly defeated, making them a public shame to all mankind. Why doesn't Satan believe this? I don't know, because he probably doesn't like Paul. And Paul was a, a, a renegade and a lunatic. And look at the people that he, he, that, uh, that he destroyed. So that's, that's what I would say. I guess my only question there would be if he doesn't believe because I like I said a second ago I didn't even ever think about mm-hmm. this until just now but if Satan doesn't actually believe in the resurrection then why would he bother with false doctrine with doctrines of devils why bother with the mm, that's a good with creating drama if you will if he doesn't think it's an actual event if yeah. he doesn't feel the impact well of that. I mean are you saying because there's so many different stories? Well, I'm saying like if he if he really believed it was the swoon theory, like yeah, Jesus just fainted. Why would he not just go with that? Now, let me be very Is clear. That what you mean? I'm not saying that I believe that Satan doesn't believe it. I'm saying it's possible. Sure, okay. that he doesn't. Yeah. I what I do firmly believe is that he thinks he's still going to win. There's not gotcha. a chance. I yeah. think if I could interview Satan here, I think he would say, "Are you kidding me? Of course I'm going to win. Look at the followers I have." Look at the numbers of people. Look at what's happened throughout human history. Look at the power that I have. And the power of God is limited. And he would say, I think, I know him like you don't know him. Look at the suffering that's in this world. That's the God that you serve. So I think he's absolutely convinced himself he's in the right, that God is oppressive, and that he's going to win. Hmm. And the reason I think that is because that's what his followers continually spout off. So back to Heather's point then, you don't think that Satan is operating out of a sense of desperation, that he's like, okay, this is what's coming. Well, I'm going to go to hell anyway. I'm going to take as many people with me. Yeah, because that's a common Yeah, and really just injure the heart of God. Yeah. No, I don't don't think so at all. I think think he is utterly convinced that this this battle is real. Um, (laughs) There's a a moment in Rocky the movie. So any dude that's listening to this. uh, Rocky the first one. Okay. Where... um, (laughs) <laughs> where Creed is fighting against Rocky and it's supposed to be an exhibition fight and Creed walks back to his corner. Apollo Creed says to his trainer, this dude thinks it's a real fight, right? It's because Rocky was really, truly fighting in this. He thought that there was a chance. Now he loses in the end, spoiler alert for those who haven't seen Rocky the first one. Wow. Yeah, sorry about that. He loses in the end, but in the, in reality he thought it was a real fight. I believe that Satan thinks this is a real fight and he doesn't realize that he is just the unwilling, manipulated servant of God doing what he God wants him and needs him to do to give mankind a choice between good and evil. Hmm. Therefore, with that belief, it totally neuters him. He's nothing. 
though he thinks he's something. Okay, I've brought I brought you speechless, and I didn't mean to. Okay, so let's talk about let's talk about um, the defeat and the, the future defeat of Satan and what will be done. He's defeated, the Bible says, and if you hate Satan as we do, you'll love the study of the book of Revelation because the book of Revelation closes out the story on Lucifer like nothing else ever does. It's also found in Genesis 3.15 and Isaiah 14 if you're really wanting to just There's some Bible drink trivia in a little bit. So let's start with what's going to happen, and I'm going to probably say less and less towards the end of this episode <laughs> unless I'm asking questions because the revelation is not my forte. But uh, let's let's do what we can here, okay? And we've got dragons and Joshua, locusts yeah. and flying and dying. Yeah. Oh, it's my not word. your thing? No, well, not my thing. We're not going to spend a lot of time here anyway because we've got multitude of episodes coming up in the 80s that are all in the 80s of our episodes. This is episode 75, where we're actually going to go through all of uh, eschatology and talk about the end times itself. I'm excited about that because as we, you know, when we got to 50, wasn't it 50 that we had cake? Yep. And I have big plans. When we get to 100, we're going on a cruise. Wait, do I? Am (laughs) I coming? You're part of this. Yes. Yes. Who's paying for this This cruise? You are. And you guys so are going to get me time off that doesn't count against yeah, my exactly. other time We're off? Pay this for is that. fantastic. We, we know your boss. We'll make it happen. All right. Okay, so let's talk about the future of Satan, not our we future. we got to record more episodes. Uh, yeah. Come on, let's go. <laughs> she just got highly motivated. <laughs> okay, so basically in what we call the tribulation, the Bible calls the tribulation, which is this end times. The first part of it, first half of the seven and a half year, or seven years, it's going to look like Satan is winning. It's going to look like he's doing really well. Right, and then everything falls apart. Right. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the last three and a half years, it is utter chaos, out of control. We experienced a little of this during the coronavirus this last spring, but on a much more terrible level. And so the God of this world is going to panic Just like to be never clear, before. the tribulation will be worse. The COVID-19 thing was not on a different level. Oh, that's a different taste of what closer the to like communism. Just so you know, tribulation is not just so you know. The tribulation is going to be like a billion times worse. Right? Okay. Josh was not saying the opposite. <laughs> I want to make that clear. And the thank you, I appreciate. It. And the first half is going to be relatively peaceful. The second half is going to be absolutely out of control. And in that moment, Satan is going to basically be put in his place. And at the end of the tribulation period, there'll be a battle called the Battle of Armageddon. Jesus Himself will come, and the Bible says He will bind Satan. And he will take Satan and throw him in the bottomless pit and keep him there for 1,000 years. Jesus will rule and reign for the millennium. That's called the millennium, yep. And then at the end of the 1,000 years. And this is the most confusing part to me. Satan is loosed. Yeah, Satan is loosed for a brief time. Which boggles my mind. So, like, I, I always thought for a long time, and I still struggle with this, because for the time I was a little girl and started hearing things about end times, I kind of had the idea, okay, once you get past the tribulation, it's done. And then Jesus yeah. reigns. Once he gets <laughs> back out, I feel it's going to be really bad because once he is bound and thrown in, then he's going to be like, oh, it was all true. Yeah. God actually is, is this is actually going to happen. Then he's going to get back out and be like, well, all right. <laughs> and there's a reason. <laughs> yeah. And that's interesting because I don't think we've ever discussed this. So what are some reasons that Satan will need to be loosed? I mean, if things are going so well, the Lord's been reigning for a thousand years. Uh, We've been reigning with him as believers, which is exciting. So why does Satan get sent back out again? Well, I guess the question is, who are we ruling and reigning over? Who are the subjects, the humans that are living during that time? Those that are born during that time? Yeah, those who survive the tribulation period and enter into the millennial kingdom. 
They're believers. They get saved, you're saying, yeah. during the saved tribulation. Saved during the tribulation period. They remain alive and enter into the millennial kingdom, but they are what not. What if they get saved but then die in the tribulation? Well, then they will be with us. They'll be reigning. Mm-hmm. But the Bible tells hmm. us there's going to that's be a leftover remnant that's still alive after the tribulation period. That's going to be very few. We don't know and exactly. all of them the, that it's talking about will be believers. They'll all be believers because at the Battle of Armageddon around the world, everybody who is not a believer is judged, condemned, and damned to hell. So when the millennium starts, there is going to be a small population of humans, descendants of Adam and Eve, sons of Adam, daughters of Eve, who will then now populate the earth. We don't know what the number is, but the Bible says in one of the prophets that the number of man, it's easier to find a nugget of gold than a man upon the earth. So maybe there's 50, maybe there's 500, maybe there's 5,000. But whoever they are, they're brought from the four winds, the Bible says, of the earth, brought to one location, and for the next 1,000 years, they repopulate the planet. Those people are believers, but they have children. And their children have a choice, like every daughter of Eve and every son of Adam, to believe on Christ or reject them. Because they will be sinners. So I thought there was no sin in the millennial reign. Oh, no, no, no. There's sin. There's just a very, the a Bible just says, ruler. a just ruler. So just wow. because you have a God who's sitting on the throne with but a rod of iron. we won't be dealing with sin anymore. No, we won't because we'll have died. We, we, our, our old or nature be will be, our old nature will be, have been eradicated. <laughs> and so our new nature will be in charge. And so we'll be in our glorified bodies. But these are unredeemed, or excuse me, these are unredeemed. Uh, these these are these are humans still in human state. They are mortal beings. We are no longer mortal beings. And so, in that moment, throughout his, throughout history or throughout the millennium, generation after generation after generation is born. Many of them will rebel in their hearts. Many of them will receive Jesus Christ as Savior. We'll talk about this when we study the millennium. So, why then does Satan come at the end? The reason it is is to give mankind once again a very strong choice, a deception. Do you want to follow God or do you want to follow Satan? Okay, so the reason Satan's loosed is because ultimately we're told there's three ways that three things are temptation for us and battles for us. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Correct. So the world's going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Perfect environment in the millennial reign. The devil's not around to tempt us because he's bound. So all that's left is the flesh of those people that are Correct. still struggling with sin. Right. And it's their own flesh that is going to choose sin or is going to choose to believe God. Correct. Correct. And so we're going to see that man ultimately has that sin nature. Is that the, the point there? That's part of the point. And then at the very end, God allows Satan to be loose to gather up those who have been privately in their heart rebelling against God for one last battle. And this is what's insane. Even with a physical, visible Jesus ruling and reigning from Jerusalem— here in the world, there's still those who will rise up and fight against God. Why? Because they actually believe they can defeat him. Um, and so they do, and the Bible tells us that um, after he deceives the nations, um, he will be bound. Look at what it says in Revelation 20. And when the thousand years was expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out and deceive the nations, which were of the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, uh, and the number of whom is the sand of the sea. So this is not the Battle of Armageddon. This is a thousand years after the Battle of Armageddon. And the Bible says, he, how many will he gather? The Bible says there's no number to count it. The sand of the sea, that's how many. That's why the heart of man, and it is mm. proof, you're exactly wow. right, of the depth of the heart and of man being so against God. And think about what is there to rebel against when you have a perfect ruler in a perfect place? And Here's what to rebel against. The amazing. same thing Adam and Eve did. You can't tell me what to do. Mm. 
Wow. Who do you think you are? And that's exactly what Satan rebelled against. So you see it come full circle. Satan, what does he do? Satan, he leaves the perfectness of heaven because he doesn't want God to rule and reign in his life. And now we get to the end of the millennium, and it's like perfect book bookends. He leads a, an entire rebellion like he did with the angels to demons against God in a perfect setting and says, uh, we can have it better. This guy doesn't have to tell you what to do. And so he's condemned. He's damned. And the Bible says uh, at the very end of it, in, in verses 9 and 10, they went up in the breadth of the earth and they compassed the camp of the Satan's roundabout, uh, saints roundabout of the beloved city, that's Jerusalem. Fire came down from God out of heaven. This is the very end of Satan. And devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's the end of Satan. That's it. Mm. He will never escape. He'll never have an opportunity to defeat someone else. He'll never be worshipped again. He will only be despised by all those who are also in the bottomless pit of the lake of fire forever. You know, it's a wonderful thing to realize when you think about how long eternity is, to realize, okay, he's he's had this short time that he's been running around causing problems. And really, some of us, there are days that I just, you know, really curse his name and say, Lord, just come back, finish this off because I'm so tired of him wreaking havoc in my life and bringing up tempting sin, you know, for people I love, tempting them to sin and and causing disunity and all these things that he does and fear. And it's so wonderful to think, you know what? He's got a whole eternity forever and ever while we're with the Lord that he's going to reap what he sowed. Absolutely love it. Well, we want to thank you for listening to episode 75, Satan and His Damned Future. We want to encourage you to listen to the next episode. Next episode is going to be called Favorite Christian Influencers. Heather and I are going to talk about those who have uh, really influenced us in our lives, uh, in our personal walk with God. And uh, I encourage you to listen to that episode. Yeah, and we just want you to do one thing for us today. Make sure that you rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Give us five stars. Let us know why you love it. And that's going to help others find it when they search for it. Now, we want to thank you so much for listening. And remember, when the Bible talks, we'd better listen.